What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. For too long, institutions have preserved the status quo of inequality. Now companies are being held accountable for inclusion, sustainability, and equality. But companies don't make decisions people do. Kindred is the membership built to support leaders building socially responsible businesses. We connect members to the community, experts, and resources you need now to make better decisions for the future for all your stakeholders. Learn more and apply for membership at www.kindredmembers.com. That's K-I-N-D-R-E-D members.com. You're listening to Planet Purpose from Inc. Magazine. Today's episode, how to take sustainability from lip service to real impact. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Planet Purpose. I'm Chip Walker. And I'm Yolanda White. Scott Goodson, who's our usual partner in crime, couldn't be with us today. But Yolanda and I are on the case with it. And uh, we've got a fantastic topic. Okay, I have to be honest. Like, I totally miss Scott. It's kind of weird not having him, but he insisted that we have a little bit of fun today. So, you know, this is one topic that I've really been wanting to put under a microscope. So I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah, I love Scott dearly, but I see him all the time. (laughs) So uh, I think we got this. Um, Okay, true. Yeah, well, let's jump in. So um, it's no secret that concerns about the environment, climate change, the whole future of the planet, all this stuff is more top of mind than ever for for business leaders and, and really for all of us. And it seems like in recent weeks and months, these issues have reached a boiling point. Uh, And we're being confronted with out-of-control wildfires out in the West, massive flooding here on the East Coast. And that's just in the U.S. We saw horrific flooding in Europe earlier in the summer, earthquakes in Haiti, all this tied to climate change. And we're braced for what may be next, whether it's a hurricane or maybe something worse that we haven't even heard of yet. And of course, we increasingly realize that all of this is tied to our collective failure to take threats to the environment really seriously. So it's not surprising that a recent survey found that almost 80% of Americans expect companies to take action against climate change, and about the same number of Americans would stop purchasing from a company that doesn't care about climate change. But the big question is, are companies really going to step up? And if so, how? I mean, it's going to cost them money. The government doesn't seem to require companies to do anything about uh, sustainability. Yolanda, what do you think? These stats are pretty significant, and it really does speak to the fact that people are finally starting to take climate change seriously now. And I think we're all confronted with it in our backyards. I mean, you just went through a number of things from the fires to the floodings, like we see it all. So it's no longer an abstract idea. I think I mentioned this on the previous episode. Um, And we see more and more, I don't know, people like you and I going out of their way to do things that are environmentally friendly, like avoiding single-use plastic, making sure that we recycle. I mean, the list goes on. So this is really a whole issue. And as you started to talk about our companies, it's the big companies that I think we're all taking a look at and how they respond 
to what's happening. And it's pretty complicated. You know, we start to think about what their response will be. I mean, on one hand, I feel like I've seen companies publish like sustainability goals ranging from like reducing waste, emissions, and they put a number around it. Like you'll see 25%. We've seen, and I mean, there's companies we could probably like call out if we wanted to give them kudos on some of this. But one that speaks to me personally is like reducing waste. And at Coke, when I worked there, that was a really important sustainability goal for us. And it remains a continued commitment for the organization as we start to look at the global plastic crisis that exists for us. I mean, you've already mentioned that. So I think we see these great things happening. But on the other hand, I think there are a lot of companies who are publishing sustainability promises that are unrealistic, undefined. It feels like it's a black box of how they'll get there. And their goals are so far out to like 2050, you know, these are the the big companies or even the small companies. We have to like call out a little bit. Like we don't need the lip service. We need to see the real action. This is a real issue. Yeah, it's like a, we're going to be carbon neutral by the year 2300. Yeah. <laughs> nice intent. But uh, yeah, I've seen like, things like that firsthand. And I, I'm just going to relay a story that um, it would be funny if it weren't so sad. But uh, a few years ago, I was doing consulting work at a, a major global corporation whose name you would know, it, it will remain nameless, but uh, they're giant headquarters in midtown Manhattan. So anyway, it was a huge open office, thousands of employees, and there were long tables on every floor where all the thousands of employees sat. And at the end of each table was a series of trash bins for recycling. It wasn't just like one or two, there's like five or six different ones that were all labeled in kind of a complicated way so the employees would know how to sort their, their trash, like from their lunch or whatever. Some bins were for paper, some were for plastic. Uh, it was hard to figure out what trash went where, but everybody who worked there made a huge effort to try to get it right. And, you know, you could get like reprimanded or shamed if you put stuff in the wrong bin. Anyway, it was a big deal. But at any rate, uh, the reason I'm telling you this is that one night I was working very late on a project. And for the first time, I encountered the cleaning crew coming through, emptying out the recycling bins. And they were just dumping all the sorted trash into one giant trash can and then throwing it away. No recycling was actually going on. So a little later, I asked one of the company's senior executives about this. I tell him what happened. And uh, he was a little surprised, but he just basically shrugged his shoulders. The reason I bring up this example is I feel like it's kind of emblematic of the attitudes that you get, I think, in corporate America, that as long as you're doing something kind of on the surface, that what's really going on um, is less important and, and actually making a real sustainability impact is less important. This just brought me to there are those companies that I think are showing like genuine commitment, you know? And so that's a situation clearly where it was kind of like, yeah, we're committed. We're doing the work on the front end, but not really carrying it all the way through on the back end. But let's think of like some of the obvious ones. I think we could go deeper with Patagonia where they have a mission to save our home planet. And they are going out in a real like bold and political way to execute on it. I mean, you know, one of the things I think we've talked about it prior to the 2020 election, they actually added the new tagline. Remember, like, vote the a-holes out? Yeah. You remember that? They, well, they, they yeah, put that so. inside the, uh, some of their clothing <laughs> item, you know. That's a real boss move right there, yeah. you know. So I think, you know, at various times, they've also turned their retail stores into get out the vote centers in hopes of electing leaders that have commitment to 
shifting and changing the environment. So just being environmentally conscious. But then on the other hand, you have companies that I think on paper, they seem to be doing amazing things. I mean, you can go look at what Amazon is doing in terms of being really innovative with building windmills and a commitment to putting more electric cars in the marketplace. But like, how do we measure if a company is doing enough or should they be doing more? And what does that look like? You know, but I think every step and every effort, we do have to applaud these companies for Like they should be doing it, but we should be applauding them as well. But yeah, talk, I don't know. I would love your thoughts on Patagonia. I absolutely applaud what they're doing and they're very bold and in your face about it. But you you have to sort of recognize that at the same time, uh, the way they make their clothing, and they admit this, still causes a lot of environmental problems. So, look, I, I agree with you, though. I think you've got to applaud the efforts that companies do make, even if they're not perfect. But, you know, you bring up an interesting point, though, about sort of mission and purpose. And of course, this is the Planet Purpose podcast. So I'm particularly interested in how a company's higher purpose can drive the way it executes on sustainability. I mean, uh, Patagonia says, uh, you know, our mission is to save our home planet. So I feel like that's something that puts sustainability and being environmentally conscious at the center of what they do. So that's not just some sort of a program or a a one-off initiative, but it's something that's at the very heart of their sort of strategy and their, their culture. You're hitting on the magic ingredient for me. Keeping sustainability from just being lip service is like job number one. And like if we were to bring in some more examples, let's just add to the list like Lego. Their purpose is to inspire and develop the builders of tomorrow. Mm. And I think they are really making a real commitment in the products that they're delivering from sustainable materials and setting a goal of that by 2030, I think is excellent. They're doing right by the next generation. And I think it's core to their strategy, which is great. The way we think about activating purpose at Strawberry Frog is through, you know, we've talked about this before, but what we call movement thinking, which is really about putting the concepts behind uh, successful societal movements to work within a company to activate its purpose. So, you know, we've been doing that for years at Strawberry Frog. We know it works. In fact, I think one of the first movements we ever sparked for a company was years ago in the early 2000s for Smart, the smart car, uh, which was an early pioneer in trying to get people to think more about sustainability and, and conscious consuming. Um, so, you know, we, we helped launch Smart as a startup. It was developed in response to this sort of glut of SUVs and cars that were kind of cluttering the urban landscape and polluting everything. And we developed this movement that we called Against Dumb. And it was the idea of railing against stupidly overconsuming <laughs> and driving an SUV uh, in, in the suburbs that you really don't need. Uh, so Smart's been a leader in driving more conscious consuming for decades because this sort of notion of eco-friendly was at its core, at the core of its strategy, the very essence of its being as a company. And again, it was not just some one-off program. Yeah. The whole notion behind movement thinking has been inspiring for me as a business leader. And you know, I've been connected with Strawberry Frog for a long time. But even as I had the opportunity to create Deo, I mean, I kept sustainability at the core of our strategy. And so you know, vision, mission is linked to the people, but it's sustainable fabrics and closed in production. And for me, it's like, it's not only in the fabrics of what we deliver, but it's in our packaging to make sure everything can be recycled. And even from there, like we started producing intimates 
And it was like, okay, that's great. But like, how can we create zero waste intimate? So once we get through production, it's not a bunch of stuff sitting on the floor. And so all of these things are conscious decisions. But I will tell you as a business owner, it is not cheap to do. Like, it's (laughs) one of those things that I do it out of a commitment to contributing to the world. But I don't talk about all this stuff. I don't always get credit for it. And that's the thing that you know, I have seen some of these big companies take really good moves, but sometimes they don't talk about it. And then others are like giving us the lip service and talking about it everywhere. And you're like, is that marketing or is that like true? Is that spinning or is that like you're truly living the value? So, you know, for me personally, it really is about investing and doing what's right and believing and standing behind a mission and purpose that I believe is valuable, which makes this conversation so exciting about what's about to come. But yeah. I'm guessing that everything you do around sustainability is probably valuable and important to your customers. What? Why don't you talk about it more? Some of it's valuable. I mean, I just have so much work to do just to keep people educated about the occasion of loungewear. COVID has helped me significantly, but it's almost like sustainability closes the deal. They need to know the occasion, what we do, how to wear it, how to put it on. But I don't brag about it. I just think it's what I have to stand for. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I hope you guys are going to start making some uh, men's loungewear soon. Is that in the cards? I mean, <laughs> it, it continues to be a growing topic. I'm like, men need soft shit too. You know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? So. <laughs> Planet Purpose is sponsored by Deo. Deo lets you look wonderful and feel inspired. Deo developed the world's most stylish and comfortable loungewear. Feel it on your skin and you'll smile your way through work, relaxing, vacationing, styling, and profiling. And you'll feel like the beautiful Deo woman that you are. Elevate your loungewear, elevate your life, elevate your Deo. Go to DeoWomen.com and tell them Planet Purpose sent you for a special gift. And we got you. Okay, Chip, let's change gears here. Now, we're going to have to like have our new friend on the podcast join us. I think she's going to be great at shedding some new light on the whole sustainability challenge companies are facing. Yeah, all right, let's go. Okay, please give a warm welcome to Ellen Jakowski, Chief Impact Officer and Head of Sustainable Impact at HP. Welcome, Ellen. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you, Ellen. You know, I've I've watched you and I've read your bio, which is super impressive. I just wanted to share a couple of words and then you maybe can just jump in and like give us a little bit more about what you do. But um, what I love is that you really are holding a big title. It is Chief Impact Officer and Head of Sustainable Impact at HP. And it's really clear in this role that you lead a global team that oversees the HP Sustainable Impact Strategy. You also lead the programs that focus on the most defining and urgent issues of our time, where your company has the greatest impact as a brand and that support environmental, social, and governance industry imperatives. I would love for you just to share a little bit about what you do and what your day looks like. Sure. So at HP, our vision is to be the most sustainable and just technology company in the world. That's a pretty big you know, statement, right, uh, that, that we've come out with. And it's a comparative statement, meaning that we need to raise the bar constantly on ourselves, on others in our industry. We need to work together across our entire value chain to tackle, as you said, some of the most defining and urgent issues of our time. We're focused specifically where we at HP can make the biggest impact 
And that's in three areas, climate action, human rights, and digital equity. So that represents both the environmental and the social side of these issues. And we've recognized how interconnected these things are. So while we've, we've labeled them in kind of three categories and three pillars, uh, our actions on climate certainly affect the people and communities that we serve. Our actions on you know, digital equity have an impact on climate. So while we focus on these three core issues, um, how they're interconnected, how they come together is really important to be conscious of. And, and that's what we're working on at HP, to drive that real impact to change the way we make all of our products, uh, we distribute all our products, who we serve with those products to be as inclusive as possible. Really uh, proud to be working on these important topics at HP. That's awesome. Yeah, great, Ellen. Um, well, yeah, you just mentioned uh, the HP vision, and uh, I think it's, as you said, to, to be the most sustainable and just tech company in the world. So that's a huge, huge vision. Can you tell us more about the vision? Like, like, uh, wh why did you land on that in particular as a company? How did you land on that? Uh, such a big goal. And so what does it mean for kind of a company's overall strategy? Sure. Well, you know, leading with purpose is in HP's DNA. And I know a lot of companies say that. So back to, you know, your earlier discussion about when can you really trust what everybody's saying. But our founders, Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard, when they created the company uh, in the 50s and they were, they were coming up with a list of the top corporate objectives, they had eight of them. Things like revenue, profit. But they also put the words global citizenship on that list. And today our language has modernized. We now call it sustainable impact, but it really is about the responsibility that a company has to society. So that's been part of how HP was built from day one, and that's only grown stronger throughout time. So, you know, we were the first global IT company to publish our carbon footprint, the first in our industry to set carbon reduction goals. So, you know, it ties back to our drive to really be a leader in this space um, and, and back to that vision of being the most sustainable and just technology company in the world. I love that. I love that you're able to like pinpoint back to the heritage of the company just to make it feel even more real. And so as we start to look forward, we see that there is a huge commitment to reach 75% circularity for products and packaging by 2030. It sounds pretty ambitious. And so many companies, you know, I just said it, are making some of these big environmental promises. Why should people take that commitment seriously from HP? And it would be great if you could just share with some of our listeners, what is HP doing differently than other companies to make this happen? When we make commitments at HP, when we set goals and announce them externally, obviously we hold ourselves to them. So even, you know, the commitments, the goals that have these big dates like 2030 or 2040, when we announced those, you know, there's been a lot of thought inside the company to drive a pathway. How are we actually going to get there? What do we need to do year over year to make sure we hit that target? So with our 75% product and packaging circularity goal, that's no different. We spent a lot of time debating, is that bold enough? Is it ambitious enough? Can we actually do it? So first of all, what does that mean? 75% circularity. That means that 75% of the materials in our products and packaging will either be reused, recycled, or renewable. So very different than how we are making our products today. Today, we're at 41% circularity. So we report this publicly and again, have a plan year over year of how we need to get there. But for us, historically, to go from zero you know, to 41%, it was tough, took a lot of innovation, but it's nowhere as tough as it's going to be to go from 41 to 75. As you get to those higher numbers, 
trying to use recycled plastic in new and innovative ways, working on the technology to make sure that that resin compound is going to work um, with just as much kind of quality and longevity as virgin materials. That's a very difficult challenge to our product designers. So we have a, a tough road ahead, but we know we're going to do it. And the way we're going to do that is, you know, working with incredible partners in our supply chain um, to really work to hit that goal. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, I love even knowing that it's 41%. So yeah, there's definitely some work to be done there, you know? So a lot of heavy lifting ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. How are you getting rank and file involved in this commitment? Like, while it seems like it's far away, it's really not that far. I mean, do you see that your employees are on board? Are they working towards it? I know you've talked a little bit about, you know, just the product development process, but is it more of a management promise at this point? Give a little bit of perspective about how it's permeating through the organization. Well, again, I'm going to go back to the founders and, and when they they came and you created the company with purpose built into it. Again, that's grown up throughout the culture. So you can find that across our employee base as well as our leadership team. And again, it only gets stronger, I think, every day, especially as we as you know humans on the planet. Uh, face the the issues that you all described earlier, the wildfires, the hurricanes, digital divide that only has gotten bigger during the pandemic. So I think, you know, what's changing is every uh, HP employee really understanding the role that they can play to help shift the company, the power that they have as individuals. We did something really unique earlier this year where we changed our performance management system so that every single HP employee, all 53,000 of us, could set a sustainable impact goal in their job role. So not just you know volunteering on the side, but built into your job, what's your responsibility? What's your opportunity to create sustainable impact for the company? And it could be around any of those areas, climate action, human rights, uh, or driving digital equity. So we've seen incredible excitement, uh, a lot of new innovation when you empower your employees to say, it's part of your job. It's not just the sustainability team on the side. You know, every person in the company is part of creating this change. And our leadership team has stepped up to, you know, take that responsibility and, and drive that as well through their organization's culture. Each of our leadership team members has a management objective that they are measured by, they're compensated by in terms of hitting those sustainable impact goals that we've now shared externally, like the circularity goal. So it's tops down, but it's also bottoms up. And I think creating this culture for sustainable impact is how we're going to be able to change how we manufacture, what we deliver uh, to create a more sustainable future for all. I absolutely love that. Like this is something everyone gets to get involved with and it's exciting. It's something that's meaningful. It really adds purpose to each person. Again, we need the full power of HP. Yeah. My team certainly can't do it alone. Exactly. You could try, but yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard about that before of a company just uh, of having it built into everyone's uh, personal goals. That, that's really neat. Uh, but but a question though, you, you talked, Ellen, about how difficult it is was going from zero to, I think you said, 41% in terms of, of circularity, and I, I can imagine, but uh, that can't be cheap. You know, what about business results and, and the financial pressures, you know, uh, from being a publicly traded company? Um, you, I guess you have, you know, have shareholders to answer to. How will meeting this 2030 commitment sort of impact your bottom line? And don't you feel a lot of pressure around that? 
what's interesting is we've started a couple of years ago tracking our enterprise RFPs. So large companies that buy, you know, suites of, of PCs or printers from us. And we've seen in the last two years over a billion dollars in new sales due in part to our actions on sustainable impact. So back to that question of do customers care? Are they going to buy products because of their sustainability features? Yeah, they are. And that number continues to grow year over year. We almost doubled the number of customers who are asking us questions in this past year, looking at our tracking. And again, we're only tracking our enterprise RFPs. We're not tracking behavior at this point at the consumer level. Um, we're, we're working on building those systems to be able to measure as precisely as we can now at the enterprise level. So we have that data. So more to come. But the fact that, again, two years in a row, over a billion dollars, uh, that is a message to our you know, leadership team and our product designers that we need to keep raising the bar. Let's do more because our customers want it. And we know we need to deliver more sustainable products. Wow. Billion dollars a year. That's crazy. That's great. I mean, when you can measure the impact, I think that's where the power comes into play. It sounds like, you know, as you begin to talk about like where you were when the or where the company was when it was founded to now, there really is this overall culture of sustainability and it's getting embedded into everything that you're doing. What are some of the hallmarks to like really creating this kind of culture? And if you were to give any advice to like another company of things they should be considering or doing to ensure that they are building this sustainable culture, what would be like one or two things you might share with them? Sure. Well, I think it comes back to, you know, the company's values and making sure that sustainability and equity are part of that value system. And again, you know, that the whole company can see that that's really real. You know, your leaders are acting with those topics as clear priorities. So not just lip service, but it turns into real action again from the top. I think there's so much energy from employees, you know, these days, especially where they want to be part of the solution. It makes their job more meaningful if you add in sustainability and equity as part of their responsibilities. So I think, you know, setting those as part of your value system and making sure that your actions really align with that is really important. And I think transparency is also uh, another key here. So, you know, knowing your numbers, like we know we're at 41%. Is that number good? Is that number bad? In some ways, it's really good. In some ways, it definitely should be higher. And we're working to get it there. So not being afraid of where you're starting from, but shed the light on it so that everybody understands the mission you have ahead, you know, the hard work that together you're going to have to do. I love it. Those are three really good pieces. I mean, I'm (laughs) writing it down. That's great. So Ellen, it sounds like you guys have a really ambitious plan when it comes to sustainability and are making great progress. Uh, and you just you just had a couple of words of wisdom. I wonder if there's any other parting thoughts um, for other companies that kind of want to follow in you guys' footsteps. Well, you know, I think the urgency of the issues that we're facing is clear. So number one, take action now. You know, this is not time to sit back and ponder and think, and it's time to figure out how to get in the game. And even if it's small, just find a way to start, find a way to elevate what you're doing to accelerate that work. So start moving now with immediacy and urgency. I also think being open to working with others. As I mentioned, you know, the the culture we're trying to create across HP is we need everybody to help us achieve these goals. They're too difficult. They're too hard. We're not going to be able to do it without the full power of our company, uh, with working together with our suppliers, uh, with our channel partners and our customers. So we need that whole ecosystem kind of focused on getting this done. And so collaborating with unusual suspects 
you know, even HP at times is working with Dell. For example, we're both part of Next Wave Plastics, uh, focusing on ocean-bound plastic solutions and building supply chains uh, where we're sharing our knowledge with each other because we know this isn't something one company in our industry can solve. We're going to need um, us all working together. So, so be open to that. And then again, I think just that final note of tapping into the incredible energy of your employees and your customers who want you to become more sustainable. There's so many innovators out there and within your own company. Um, so unleashing that power, that innovation, so that all of those solutions can come forward and help us all drive the change that we know we need right now. Yeah, I'd love that. I wanted to just ask one more thing because uh, you just reminded me uh, you're talking about ocean plastics. And um, I, I, I read where around, I think it was your ink cartridges. You guys had done some work involving stuff going on in Haiti. Could you just talk about that a little bit? I, I just, I remember finding it fascinating. Yeah. So back in 2016, at that point in time, we have a closed loop process for our ink cartridges. We've been doing that for over 15 years now, over 20 years, where we ask our customers to send their empty ink cartridges back to us. We disassemble them. Then we use those parts to create new ink cartridges. But, But from a plastics point of view, we take the old empty plastic cartridge, crush it, mix it with recycled bottle plastic to strengthen it back up, fill it with ink and put it back out on the market as a new ink cartridge. So that recycled process is is really important to us. We make a lot of ink cartridges. Therefore, we've been using over a million plastic bottles a day in that process. So that's significant. So back in 2016, we were thinking about how could we take this to the next level? It's already a successful closed loop example that's been put in action and is stable, but what can we do more? So the question was, what happens if we source those recycled plastic bottles from a different location? Instead of buying them off the North American recycled plastics market, what if we went to a location like Haiti, where there's no municipal garbage collection? Like where I live in the Bay Area, a garbage truck comes around once a week, picks up my recycling, picks up my landfill garbage. But in Haiti, they don't have that system. So when you're done with your plastic bottle beverage, uh, you finish it, you sometimes throw it on the ground and the wind blows, it goes into a canal and out into the ocean. So what our team was able to do is find some partners back to this idea of can't do it alone, find collaborative innovators. So we worked with several partners on the ground in Haiti to hire a team of local plastic collectors to pick up those bottles, take them to a local recycler who we partnered with, shred that plastic, and then we buy that plastic to mix back in with our ink cartridges. So uh, to date, we've used over 85 million plastic bottles upcycled into HP products. And back to the, you know, like once you have an idea and it starts to spread, we did this on the the print side of our business, but we also make a lot of computers in our personal systems side of the business. So the personal systems team looked at what was happening on the print side of the business and they wanted to get into the game. So they started working with some of their resins to see, could we incorporate that PET ocean-bound plastic bottle material into parts in our computers, into our display monitors on the personal system side of the business. So today we have more than 50 products now. We've continued to scale this process. So not only are we stopping plastic from flowing in the ocean, 
but we're also creating jobs. We've created over 1,100 income opportunities in Haiti. It's one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. They just went through another earthquake uh, and devastation. So uh, it's incredibly important that we are part of that economy, that we are a stable force. We buy this plastic every month. They know those orders are coming. So it's, it's a great example back to the strategy of climate action, human rights, and digital equity, and how they're so interconnected. By changing how we buy those plastic bottles, we can create incredible impact for everyone. Yeah, love that example. It's a great one. Powerful. I mean, it's urgency, partners, employees. I think you said it. I mean, you've been absolutely amazing. Okay, so now we're going to pause for a quick break, and then we'll be back with our Jump Ball segment. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Activate Brand Purpose is the new book focused on helping you lead with purpose. The insights in Activate Brand Purpose are supported by data from the first empirical study of purpose-driven brands. Activate Brand Purpose helps you do just that. It's available now on Audible. So now it's time for Jump Ball. Okay, Chip, what do you have? Okay, this week I have a book that I want to recommend. Uh, It's called The Deadline Effect how to work like it's the last minute before it's the last minute. So I just read the title and I was like, this has got to be the book for me because either I procrastinate or even worse, I don't procrastinate, but I'm such a perfectionist that I never want to finish it because it's not perfect yet. Mm. And this book was all about practical strategies and examples for how do you get around that? Uh, It's sort of based on the idea that deadlines are really effective in in overcoming things like procrastination uh, so you can get stuff done. But the problem is that they lead to your doing stuff at the very last minute, which ends up compromising quality, causes all kinds of problems because you didn't give yourself enough time. So the whole idea of the book is to take advantage of the deadline um, uh, effect without doing things at the last minute. So anyway, a, a lot lot of great info in there and strategies. I found it very practical. And so hopefully I'll get more stuff done. Okay, I like that. I mean, I was coming in with something different. Um, I have this book called Lucid Dreaming. Mm. I don't think I've talked about this one. So this is a journal that comes inside the book. But basically it's all about like getting underneath your consciousness and understanding the messages that are being sent to you while you're dreaming. And so you're supposed to like write your dreams down. You guys, it's like red, it's pencil. It's all, I'm trying to keep it closed because my dreams are a little shady here. (laughs) But um, you write them down. And honestly, I go look up my dreams and all of them have meaning. Like they all connect to something that I'm really going through. So I think, have you ever dreamed about a snake or something like that? Like, that's like kind of common. You know, they say if a snake comes into your dream, you might have an enemy around you. This is a little bit different. This is about like being very conscious about what thoughts you're letting into your mind and how you think about yourself and the things that are happening to you mm-hmm. and just making sure that you're like recording it and taking a look back at that. So, and how you begin to shift things. So this is what I came with. And then I was on the call and Blake came in and we started talking about Kanye West just dropped a new album and Drake just dropped a new album. 
I won't get into either one of those, but if you like music and you want to understand what's happening culturally, there's something really interesting in both of those Mm. like music launches. So Ellen, I'm going to turn it over to you, my friend. This is Jump Ball. Anything you want to share with the listeners? Um, In terms of what I've read lately? Yeah, it could be a book. It could be a movie, just something you've experienced, just something that you find interesting out there. Well, a book I recently read, Clara and the Sun, it is about the world of artificial intelligence. So that's something that I'm trying to learn a bit more about now and a fascinating book. So definitely recommend it for anyone who wants to uh, kind of dip their toe in. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Was it a quick read, a long read? It was a pretty quick read. You know, it, it grabs your attention. It's it's fictional um, and it tells the story from the perspective of an AI machine who's who's built to be like a human oh wow Um, so very interesting to to learn and grow with the emotions of this ai machine oh that's a good one amazing i mean you have definitely shown us the power of acting with urgency um making sure that we use our partners and really like galvanizing employees to get behind sustainability and you personally I just take away, you're fearless, you're passionate, you're innovative. Like, it's been amazing talking with you today. So, Ellen, thank you so much. This has been incredibly insightful and uh, informative. I just wanted to thank you so much for being with us today. Ellen, thank you so much. You were amazing. Well, it was a really fun discussion. Thanks so much for having me. Very cool. Well, thank you all for tuning in to Planet Purpose. I'm Yolanda White. And I'm Chip Walker. Planet Purpose is brought to you by Inc. Magazine and Strawberry Frog. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. We would love to hear from you. And it's important to shout out the people who make this stuff happen every single day. Avery Miles, producer. Brian Cornelius, video producer. Um, We have Josh Christensen, senior podcast producer. Blake Odom, production assistant. Umamu, Maymood, marketing director, and Nicola Keneally. Thank you for putting that last name in there. Chief of staff, thank you so much. We wouldn't be able to do this without all of you guys. And thank you for tuning.